as we look at the building, those of you who have been here, part of this church, you know this building has been renovated in here. It's got a facelift. It's been transformed. And the prayer for us as Christians is that the transformation that God does in us is far greater than any transformation of any type of building. So as we look to God's Word and we look to His Spirit's teachings, that's what we're looking for, for God to continue to transform us. Let's pray together. Father, we, we praise You, God, for the work that You you are doing your faithfulness in us, Lord, the transformation, the work from taking us from darkness and making us light, God, causing us to be a gospel witness to, to this community. And we, God, we know it's all because of you. We know it's all for your glory. God, help us be mindful of that all times, and all that we do is for your glory, your glory alone. And Father, we pray today as we open up your word that you would teach us the power of your spirit, that you would reveal yourself more to us, that we would see the heart of Christ today as we see him pray. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to close up. Can you very familiar? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. That is often known as what? The Lord's Prayer. But I want to ask you something. Could that possibly be the Lord's Prayer? We just said it was the Lord's Prayer. We call it the Lord's Prayer. Is that the Lord's Prayer? Okay, so it's not actually the Lord's Prayer. It was an example he was given to the disciples, and they said, Lord, teach us to pray. When they'd see him go away and pray all the time, they said, Lord, teach us to pray. But why could this not be our Lord's Prayer? Forgive us our debts. He did have debts. He was sinless. Christ's impeccability. So it's not truly the Lord's prayer. But throughout Jesus' earthly ministry, he prayed a lot. Oftentimes would go off to find some seclusion where he can go and seek his, his heavenly father. If it's just a quick skim through the Gospels, you'll see time and time again where he would go alone and pray. So his prayer life was evident all through the Gospels, all through his ministry. Yet, we don't have much of what he said during that prayer time recorded for us. A majority of the prayers that we have recorded for us are simple one- and two-line little prayers. But there's an exception to that, and that's in our text this morning. As we've been going through the Gospel of John, Jesus has just finished his last sermon to his disciples, John chapter 14 through 16. He is hours away from going to his death, and right after he finishes his sermon to his disciples, he lifts up his head. And this is the most text that we have on a prayer from Jesus, the longest recorded prayer. If you have your Bible this morning, we're continuing in our verse-by-verse exposition of the Gospel of John. Turn to John chapter 17. John chapter 17. We're going to take this prayer of Jesus and make it a three-part sermon. We're going to chunk it up over three weeks. Today we'll be looking at... The first part, praying for God's glory. That would be verses 1 through 5. Lord willing, next week we'll be looking at praying for his disciples individually, Jesus did, in verses 6 through 19. 
and a couple weeks from now, Lord willing, we'll be looking at praying for his church as a whole and the conclusion of their prayers. But I want you to see, opening up in prayer, what the priority is of Jesus' prayer. Again, putting it in context, he is hours away from going to the cross. He has just taught his disciples his last private teaching he gives them, and this is now a public prayer in front of them, and what is he going to pray? We're going to look at these first five verses today, and we're going to see his focus is on God's glory. First thing in prayer. Now, over the next three weeks, we're going to read this entire prayer three times. So you're going to become familiar with it. This morning, we're going through all 26 verses, all of chapter 17. I will read it. You can follow along. Starting in verse 1. When Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that the Son may glorify you. Since you have given him authority over all flesh, to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything that you have given me is from you. For I have given them the words that you gave me, and they have received them and have come to know in truth that I came from you. And they have believed that you have sent me. Verse 9. I am praying for them. I am not praying for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. All mine are yours. All yours are mine. And I am glorified in them. And I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world. And I am coming to you. Holy Father, keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. While I was with them, I kept them in your name, which you have given me. I have guarded them, and not one of them has been lost except the son of destruction that the Scripture might be fulfilled. But now I am coming to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Verse 16. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. As for their sake, I consecrate myself, that they also may be sanctified in truth. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one even as we are one, I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you loved me. Father, I desire that they also, whom you have given me, may be with me where I am, to see my glory that you have given me because you loved me before the foundation 
of the world. O righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you. And these know you that you have sent me. I made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them, and I in them. May God bless the reading of his word. Such an amazing part of Scripture. Reading the words that the Son of God would pray to the Father. And we see a pattern repeated throughout here. The word glory or glorified. And also the idea of those who were given to Christ. A gift that the Father would give the Son. This morning we are looking at specifically just the first five verses. Jesus is praying for God's glory. Look with me at verse 1. We read when Jesus had spoken these things after he finished teaching the disciples from chapter 14 through 16. Says he lifted his eyes to the heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son that the Son may glorify you. Here's something different. He says, my hour has come. How many times as we've studied through the Gospel of John has Jesus said, my hour has not yet come. He'll go do a miracle and people want to say, he goes, don't tell anybody, my, my hour has not yet come. Or the Jews would get upset and want to kill him, but yet he was able to just walk right out because his hour had not yet come. But now he repeats what he has said in chapter 12. In chapter 12, verses 23 and 24, Jesus said, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone, but if it dies, it bears much fruit. So the question to you is, what do you think Jesus is talking about? What is the hour that has come? Anybody? Time. It's time for his impending death is at hand. It's time for the Lamb of God to be slain. You know, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21 says, For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. That's ridiculous. Jesus is going to the cross. It's going to be bloody and gruesome, yet the payment will be paid. It will be done once and for all. But Jesus doesn't finish there. He says, the hour has come. He says, glorify your son that your son may glorify you. This is his death, his resurrection, his ascension, his glorification. That the world will look upon the son and will reflect the glory of God. Look at verse 2. Jesus continues to pray. He says, since you have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. Church, what stands out in that part of his prayer? To give eternal life to all whom you have given him. It's a gift. Seven times in this prayer of Jesus, believers are referred to as the Father's gift to the Son. Father's gift to the Son. We often talk about Jesus as a gift to us. But in his prayer, he speaks of the Father's gift to the Son are the believers that God, before the foundations of the world, has chosen. Now think about it. Jesus didn't come on a blind mission. He didn't come on a blind mission in hopes that maybe by chance, 
someone would choose to accept him. Father, they again chooses him. His mission was secure. The salvation of his people was secure. John, the gospel writer here, has recorded this earlier. We studied it in John chapter 6, verse 37. We read, Jesus says, All the Father gives me will come to me. And whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. A handful of verses later, Jesus says, No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. And I will raise him up on the last day. A guarantee, a security. Again, John chapter 6, verse 65. He said, this is why I told you no one can come to me unless it is granted to him by the Father. Over and over and over again, we see this is a work of God. Salvation is a work of God that the Father would give people to the Son as a gift. We read in John chapter 10, verse 28 through 30. Jesus says, I give them eternal life and they will never perish. And no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. And no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. Now, you might not understand the magnitude of this. But before the foundations of the world. But God chose those who would be in him. I want you to think about this. Think about your own life. You've probably heard me say it before. But if you had the opportunity to blow it, to blow your salvation, guess what? It would already be gone. If I had the opportunity to blow my salvation, it's already gone. But the security is in what the Father has already done. As a love gift to the Son, He has chosen not the wise, not the elite, up over this. We get amazed by this. We are humbled by this. But the question now in this part of Jesus' prayer, and the question I have for you is, has God chosen you for this? Has God chosen you for salvation? Have you responded to Christ's call to come to him? Have you responded to receive him, to abandon all things and to follow Christ? Because guess what? You don't do that because it was like the best decision of your life. You do that because the work of God in your life. You do that because God has taken you from darkness and he's made you light. He's freed you. He's given you a gift of faith because he's chosen you. Many of you were here a couple weeks ago when we went through Psalm 88. As the psalmist cried out from misery to agony all the way through with nothing at the end. And why would the psalmist continue to go back? Evidence of what? A gift of God. So the whole point why John recorded this gospel is that you might believe. In John chapter 20, the end of this gospel, verse 31, he says, these things are written so that you would believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. That you might have life that you might rejoice in the name of Christ. And this morning I will plead with you once again as I do week after week. 
don't just come to church and mark off a box that you made it to church on Sunday. Come to Christ. Don't just come here and submit to one another and give praise from the lips to God, but truly submit to the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. Follow Christ. Turn from yourself and turn to Christ. Jesus goes on in this prayer and he explains what eternal life is. He says in John chapter 17, verse 3, he says, This is eternal life, that you may, or that, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Hey, eternal life. Knowing God and knowing Christ. It is not just an intellectual assent to the fact. It's not, as you've heard me say, playing Jeopardy and getting all the questions right when they come to some Bible question. It's truly knowing God and being known by Christ. Jesus says in verse 31, I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. You know, it's interesting, as I talk to other ministers, and Pastor Man and I give talks, one thing about ministry, and those of you that have come and put a lot of hands on and, and serving others, you find out that ministry is not easy. If you look at the life of Jesus, he was a suffering servant. He didn't come as the King of Kings, Lord, Lord, and everybody just hailed him and, and, and exalted him, crucify him, spit on him, beat him, mocked him. But Jesus says, I've glorified. I've accomplished the work that you gave me to do. That in all of that, he walked for me and died. Did not fall. He's truly man, truly God, and walked as the Father has commissioned him. Through every aspect of life, even to the point of death. Now being on the crux of his crucifixion, he says, Father, I have glorified you on earth. The focus of this prayer as he starts off is on the glory of God. And he's going on, and he's, we're going to end in verse 5, and I'll, I'll bring this all in, and how this relates to all the glory of God. Verse 5 says, And now, Father, glorify me in your own presence, and with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. Church, you should know by now, as we've gone through the Gospel of John, if you turn back, John chapter 1, go back, John chapter 1. In the beginning, what was in the beginning? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Jesus is not a created being. He was always with the Father. God in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He says, now I've come to earth. He's humbled himself, taken on flesh lived life as we would as far as experiencing temptation and trials and suffering. But now, he's going to go back. And he's going to go back to how it was. And all the glory of God is going to shine in this. Jesus is praying about the glory of God being on display by all that has gone on. I've shown you this song before, and I want you to Look at it once again. I want you to be good students as you look at songs, dissect them. And Jesus' focus is on the Father. Jesus, above all, was focused on bringing glory to God. 
And yet, there's a popular song, you know, I've done it before, above all. Above all powers, above all kings, above all nature and all created things, above all wisdom and all the ways of man, you were here before the world began. Guess what? So far, I'm good with it. Above all kingdoms, above all thrones, above all wonders the world has ever known, above all wealth and treasures on the earth, there's no way to measure what you're worth. Crucified, laid behind the stone, you live to die, rejected and alone, like a rose trampled on the ground, you took the fall and thought of me above all. We quite could, we could say Jesus definitely thought about those who he's dying for. But above all was the cross. Above all was God's glory. And we so take all this and we start putting the attention on us. And then our prayers start being focused only on us. But when we look at the prayer of Christ, his initial part is on the cross, upon the glory of God. We are told, whether you eat or drink, or no matter what you do, do all for the glory of God. That that should have the primary factor in our life, in the decisions that we make, the things that we do, the way that we pray, the focus, be on the glory of God. Jesus thought of God above all things. Hebrews 4.2 says, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. The joy. Oh, that's good. Being seated at the right hand of God. Hebrews 6, one of our his life on earth, in the flesh, before he goes to the cross, oh, gets saved, he ascends back to heaven, but in his final moments, his prayer was directed to God's his main concern was the glory of God. This was the example. He publicly prayed. Remember, before he would go off by himself. Sometimes he took a few with him into the garden or wherever else, but he would still go off a little bit and pray. This time, right in front of them, this is how he prays. And the example of how he starts off is to be concerned with God's glory. Perhaps you think about your own life. All the impending trials that are coming upon you. The things that you're most concerned about. Is it God's glory? That's really the example we see in the start of his prayer. The, the love of Christ was to the Father and the glory of God. And he was concerned about him, but we talked about it before, and we're so quickly distracted by that and that. But in those, can we bring those back and ask God that he might be glorified in all these things that we're going through? You know, as children of God, we are ambassadors of Christ. Our aim is to bring him glory at all times. From chapter 14 through 16, Jesus' last sermon that he taught his disciples. He taught them they're going to suffer. They're going to go through difficult times. But he taught them that the Spirit's going to be given to you. Ask for help. Church, ask for help. 
Lord, help me to glorify you. Lord, help me to get my eyes onto you, that you would be exalted above all else. That as Christ prayed in his final hours, his concern for your glory, God, would that be right? Maybe there's for most of us, that's not the natural thing. You cry out to God, God, help me to put your glory above all else, to exalt you above all else. Pray with me now. Heavenly Father, we ask now in the mighty name of our Lord Jesus that you would help us shine for you in the midst of all that we're going through. We thank you for sending your Son to be our substitute, your Son who would die in our place to purchase our forgiveness through his blood. Father, we thank you for the example that we have recorded for us in Scripture as we start this 17th chapter of John and see how our Lord is so concerned about the Father. Father, may it be that all that we do, all that we pray, all that we put our hands to would be for your glory and your glory alone. Father, I pray, pray for anyone in, in this place that, Lord, perhaps they know of Christ. Perhaps they have been schooled in, in the gospel itself, that Christ has died for them to pay the penalty for their sins, and yet they've never come to Christ to receive Christ. Father, I pray now that you would draw them, your spirit would draw them unto they would turn from sin and receive Christ, that God, there would be transformation. That this gospel that saves is the gospel that changes. And that you would receive all honor and glory. And we pray this in Jesus.